Hello and welcome to Heart to Heart Conversations on Dream Corner with Vivo Yolo. On today's show, I'm chatting with Helen Caulfield. Helen is a consultant pediatric ENT surgeon. She has a special interest in airway problems in children and is responsible for the raising of the profile of tongue tie at the Royal Free Hospital and the Great Great Portland Hospital as well. That's is that right, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so welcome to Dream Corner. Thank you very much. How Thanks are for you? inviting me. I'm very well, thank you. Yes, thank you. Very you're well. just telling me off air that you, you're just coming from um, the, the meeting of the Association of Tongue Tie Practitioners. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It, um, I'm trying to raise awareness of the incidence of tongue tie in neonates who are struggling to breastfeed and what can be done about it so that we can encourage the general public and health professionals to become more aware of the problem and know what the re- what resources are out there to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so there is an association of um, tongue tie practitioners which has a website, um, .org.uk, and... Essentially, on that website, there is a list of names of practitioners who are trained in performing tongue-tie in neonates who are struggling to breastfeed. Um, So I've just been to their meeting this morning uh, and met some of the other ladies from all around the UK um, to talk about the uh, runnings of the organisation. So... If we start with the beginning of your career, we can get to how you became involved in uh, tongue tie. So you're a surgeon, and you, you used to train in. Did you train in Australia? Did you train here? No, I, I was trained at uh, in London at UCL, mm. um, but I've always wanted to do the pediatric side. So I took up a fellowship mm. in Australia. And I stayed there 14 months to do some postgraduate training just in pediatric airways mm. um, with one of the most famous pediatric laryngologist in the world, Bruce Benjamin, who's Mm. since retired, but Mm. uh, had an excellent uh, time as his uh, fellow. What was your interest in uh, pediatric airways? Yeah, well, I I was going to be a general surgeon, but then realised, first of all, there were no role models. There were no women at all in general surgery when I was starting out. Um, and the only women I saw in any surgical field were in ear, nose and throat. Oh. So I applied for an ear, nose and throat job when I came out of medical school. And it was there that I realized that there was this whole population of people that I really enjoyed interacting with and treating, which mm. were the children. Mm. So that then led me to not only ENT, but pediatric ENT. And that's been my my passion. Yeah. So. What was it like growing your, because now you're a consultant, and what was it like growing your career to become a consultant? Because it's not easy. I mean, I have, I know, I have some friends who are doctors, and it's quite a number of years before you, you attain that. Yes, it's a very long training program. Um, and you always have to have your eye on the end point and just plug on because there will be endless obstacles along the way, you know, Physical obstacles like just the sleeplessness, the number of hours, mental obstacles like not getting the job you want, having to move house. Um, and it, it can be very wearing. And the best advice I was given when I had a low point in my career was just carry on. You'll get there. Just carry on. Because however much you think about it, that's actually what you have to do if you really want to get there. And you will. I guess it's the same with a lot of things in life. but. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how much you're willing to sacrifice along the way. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess being a consultant was always the end goal. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I've always been um, 
keen on being my own boss. So I was never going to be a good number two. <laughs> I, you know, I rode it out. But then, you know, I was very glad when I was able to be my own boss. Yeah. So becoming your own boss and focusing on Tong Tai, how did you hear about Tong Tai? Because it, it's not well known. No, it should be well known, but this is one reason why we're having this discussion. It was actually just the fact that I was approached by a lactation consultant who works in my NHS hospital, the Raw Free, came up to me and said, have you ever thought of dividing tongue ties in neonates? I'm like, no, 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 never heard of it, done anything about it. No, I, I, I'm I really probably not the right person to ask. She went, well, you know, uh, can I talk to you a bit about it? And so she sort of brought me these babies and asked me to look at their mouths. And sure enough, I could see the tongue tie. And being a consultant surgeon, I had no difficulty dividing that with the baby awake in a nice atraumatic way. And we just learned together. We used to spend like 45 minutes looking at each case and umming and ahhing and checking if we'd done it right. But then, you know, after the first few hundred, <laughs> you get the hang of it and you become more confident and you, you can really sort it out. So Tong Tai is, tell us what it is, because I know what it is, but what, what is it for anybody listening and uh, wondering, you know, how often people, well, that's the other question I'll ask is how often people were coming to you. But what is this in the first instance? Yes, what it is, is essentially it's a, a ligament which is holding the tongue to the floor of the mouth. Now, if the fetus out and there's still a bit of a remnant on the end of the tongue holding the tongue down to the floor of the mouth, then the baby can't move its tongue. Can't move its tongue adequately, so that's right. So there are all sorts of degrees of it. So, that, you know, a lot of people can see the tongue tie when the baby cries if it's right from the tip to the floor of the mouth. But there are more challenging ones that are not so visible without actually examining the child's mouth. So basically, the, the, there, is a, there is the question you could ask how often, you know, how common is tongue tie and what are the impacts? That is one question. But really the question to focus on is if a baby is having trouble breastfeeding, which is really the only thing the kid does with its tongue at that, you know, under, stage, uh, yeah. that stage, if it can't do the breastfeed, if it has certain symptoms, then tongue tie needs to be looked for. Because whatever is happening under that baby's tongue, it's too tight. It's not able to move the tongue properly. And by dividing that tissue, which is often just fibrous and ligamentous, the, the, the problems with breastfeeding are immediately rectified within seconds. Well, does it affect um, using a bottle? Can you, can you? Well, that's why the whole knowledge has got forgotten. Okay. Because in 1958, Nestle brought out powdered milk. So all these, all the whole breastfeeding thing went out the window. It wasn't fashionable to breastfeed. Everybody was being told, no, no, the milk is better. You know exactly how many mils your baby's going to get. You know, if you want your baby to be big and strong, forget breastfeeding. It wasn't fashionable. People were encouraged to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So all these tongue-tie babies 
most of them are able to breastfeed. The really bad ones can't even uh, bottle feed, I mean, sorry. So most of, you know, tongue-tie babies can usually bottle feed. There's often some leakage. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than on the breast because that's technically more difficult for the tongue to achieve. So the whole knowledge has been lost since 1958. So not only in medical textbooks is it wrong, the, the, the population, the knowledge within the general population, between midwives, neonatologists, pediatricians, GPs, Everybody's forgotten about it because they've not had to address the issue until breast is best, 98% of babies, we want breastfed for six months. Now, how are you going to achieve that if your baby's tongue-tied? It can't even do two days, never mind six months. So when did the government come up with this thing of, yeah, to set this target? Of yeah, it was in, it was in the mid-90s. In 1990s, so fairly recently, 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, and did they realise that tongue tie was an issue or it was because of this, you know, directive or, you know, setting this target? that this I think it's probably because of that target that so now... So suffering all this time. All this time. And you talk to grandmas of the mums who are bringing their babies and they are weeping because mm-hmm. they suffered. And they felt like bad mums and they were told you don't have enough milk and you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right. And you look at the son's mouth and he's got terrible tongue tie even as an adult. So how, do, how does it affect you as an adult then? When you, if you, if you You've got a lisp. You have a lisp. You're oh. a messy eater. You feel embarrassed about going to the restaurant. Really? You don't talk well in public. Really? You can't talk quickly. You certainly couldn't do your job. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yep. So it affects breastfeeding, it'll affect speech. Really? Mm. I didn't know that. Mm. And a lot of people on TV have tongue tie. It's, it, oh, so you can tell us? Yes, 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 oh. you can tell, yeah. Wow. Okay. So now that it's become this target for the yes. government, to yes. know, what steps are they taking? I mean, you, you and, you know, this uh, lact- do you call her lact- lactation, consultant. lactation consultant, now that you've identified that there's this problem going on, mm. what is the government doing to help people with tongue tie? Well, they've invested a lot of money in breastfeeding advice. Okay. So they brought great. out these sure start and these drop-in centers. And so there is a lot of support to encourage breastfeeding in new mums. But the problem is there's an end point into how much you can do if there is a physical problem. And that's where we need to increase the knowledge and the acceptance and understanding. Because it's fine if the everything's better after you've had a visit from the lactation consultant and just a bit of change of positioning, uh, not, you know, letting out some of the milk before the baby latches on so you're not too swollen, just simple things like this, the general advice that can be given by midwives. But if the baby is tongue-tied, then there is a technical problem, and without releasing that, the baby will not achieve the ability to breastfeed. Okay, so go on. Yeah, so there are classical symptoms that that I ask about. Um, I mean, obviously the mum will be presenting to me because she's having overwhelming difficulties and somebody may or may not have identified the tongue tie. But certainly a clicking noise, sort of a... It means that the kid is losing the suction and uh, 
not able to carry on. If the baby then fall, keeps falling off, the latch keeps coming off, and then they get very angry and irritated and start screaming so that the feeding is taking a huge amount of time and the baby is always unsettled. Um, other things like leakage. So often you, the mums admit they're putting a towel under their breasts as the baby's breastfeeding because all half the milk's leaking out the side of their mouth because, again, the latch is poor and the suck is poor and it's painful for the mothers. That is, that is the thing is they are literally, their nails are in their palms. It is so painful that they can't stand it, 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 it you know. And sometimes the, they're very damaged. They're <laughs> I'm thinking that they're sort of lost in... Issues going on with this, with you oh, know, yeah. being able to, especially yes. with the mommy, de- de- depression could be yes. postnatal depression. Yes, they've not been able to fulfil this thing that everybody says is a it's great so easy, and, and yeah, you know, and yeah, that. yeah, and there should be something natural. <laughs> oh no, it's terrible. I mean, I think maternal guilt is something that you get. It seems to sort of be <laughs> as soon as you have a baby, you, you've got that load. <laughs> yeah. But anything on top of that can become. Just unbearable. Mm. For moms who who are not aware of this, how can they hear that this is a symptom that this baby, poor baby, has? Yes. Well, I think if a mother has um, tried to breastfeed and it's not working, so the baby is um, f- getting very frustrated, thrashing around, and she is finding it painful, then she should definitely approach. Uh, the NHS provision for lact- a lactation consultant to review her, mm. and is whether- there a lot of education for for these? Uh, yes, yes. Although there is a definitely a gap in the knowledge between knowing about breastfeeding and knowing about tongue tie, okay. and so I think if what we also need to do is educate more lactation consultants to be more confident about referring on babies for tongue tie division. Because even if you refer a baby for tongue-tie division, it doesn't mean that person will definitely do the tongue-tie. It's just they are an expert in it, yeah. so they will be able to say, actually, you know, this baby just doesn't have one. Or has one. Yeah, or has one, and yes, I'm going to do it. So it, just because you're referring doesn't mean that you're committing yourself to saying there is definitely a tongue-tie that needs treating. So I think if there was a lot more openness about it and understanding about the symptoms then let the professionals who know how to do tongue-tie make that call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you wouldn't sit on a, somebody with acute appendicitis until five minutes before it was going to rupture just because you weren't <laughs> sure it was appendicitis. You'd sure. still send them to the hospital. Yeah. You know, so I think the whole mentality needs to change. Mm-hmm. And from your own experience, how difficult is it to get people to understand this and get the knowledge out and to train people? So this gap that you're talking about is is sort of reduced. Yes. I mean, and more importantly, the government can meet these targets that they keep going on about. Yes. Well, it's it's difficult because um, it's about mums who've just delivered babies. So they're very vulnerable. Um, It's a very private part of your life. You know, you're often not in the same circle of people that you would have been a month prior to you having the baby. Yeah. So you're a bit isolated um, socially. So you're really relying on healthcare professionals to support you at this time. So I think the first port and call is probably with your lactation consultant or breastfeeding advisor, your local GP or drop-in centre. And if you don't feel that 
that if you feel it's painful and your baby really isn't feeling well, I think you've got to push to be referred. And it's not easy to find places that do tongue-tie division. I was just that was going to be my next um, question. Yes, so. it's very, very hard, which is why we've set up this organisation of t- tongue-tie practitioners because it's very, very uh, sporadic around the UK. Mm-hmm. I mean, until I started doing it at the Royal Free in 2005, babies were travelling to Southampton. Wow. Yes, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So, and so, so there are there just two places in the southeast of that. Oh. There's me. Southampton Hospital have what have a. There's also a Bristol Children's Hospital, um, and then um, at King's College Hospital, also in London, they've started this some service. Um, but otherwise, the, it's not. It's very touch and go where your baby's born and what, what services there are around. Mm. Um, but it is, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, it's just worth persevering till you feel you've got the right information and mm. you, you've been successfully treated. So you also run this at uh, Portland, the Great Portland Hospital. Yes, right? yes. Between both hospitals, how many patients have you seen? And how many tongue-tie operations have you done? I've done hundreds and hundreds. I mean, I started in 2005, and we do probably between f- between four and 600 a year. And I um, bet there's a whole lot more. Oh, there's a whole lot more. Wow. whole lot more. And, I mean, you're trying to raise awareness of this, which is brilliant. But is there a danger that you become... Overloaded. I mean, six hundred in a day, uh, in a year, is is quite a lot. It and, is quite a lot. Because you do other, you do other things. Oh, this definitely. Is not, this is not oh anything. no, this is a very small part of what I do. It's just such an important part. I feel it's such an important part. But I think if you'd ask me ask me that question in ten years, if I'd give you a much more sort of probably straightforward answer. But at this stage. It, we, I'm just trying to raise awareness because we haven't even got that yet. I'm not so worried about being overloaded. I just, at this stage, I'm very happy. Everybody who comes to me because I have never had anybody who hasn't either needed the advice and needed the reassurance that everything was okay or that I've successfully treated. So it's never been a waste of time. And I just, you know, at this moment, I'm not really worried about being snowed under by work because it's people are not referring. People are not aware of this problem. Okay. So there's there's actually a few steps before you, you get to, yes, to the point yes. where it's, you, yes. I, can't, I can't cope. Yes. Okay. Which I think is, there's even more danger there because the raising awareness is always the most, it's, it's more important because yes. then there are less babies suffering. Yes, it, it, which is the whole point of the whole the the, the raising of, uh, of awareness, and it's I think it's really sad, you know. I think yeah, it's really it sad because I, I think even looking at it from the setting up of uh, the Association of Tongue Tied Practitioners, practitioners, if this hadn't come about, where people could come together and share knowledge and sort of give people confidence, this was almost like an underground operation going on. And it still is, unfortunately. There is a bit of that going on. Um, And I think that that adds to confusion because it's already a little bit incorrect in the textbooks and the evidence base is is not being acknowledged. The fact that it it is a good procedure and there's a lot of evidence for that is still not recognized by the medical profession. Why is that? Because it's gone out of fashion. People have forgotten. 
People so, have forgotten. So even people who are practicing or, or who are training to be doctors have yes. not seen enough of these things because people are not coming in to, t- to talk about it? Is yes. I it? mean, it's been completely forgotten from medical literature. And in fact, if you look in, med- in pediatric textbooks, it just says that the procedure is cosmetic. No. <laughs> yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> it's and, that bad. And, <laughs> That's what I'm up against. And how recent were these books published? I think you can go and buy them at Waterstones now. I think that's terrible. Yeah, it is, yeah. Unfortunately, it's it's just because, you know, two generations of babies have come, lived, without having tongue-tie division. Because they've been bottle-fed. But uh, they've still got (laughs) tongue-tie. And and in this association, how, how many people... Are in it. What's sort of the membership like now? Yeah, there's. Uh, I think I've, we mentioned. I think there's 45 members. That's not a lot. No, not a lot. No, not a lot. And um, they, the great majority, are lactation consultants who have had either nursing or midwifery training prior to becoming lactation consultants, okay. and have gone that step further in offering the release of tongue tie. Is it because they have a personal interest in it? Yes, and, and because they've realised that there's an end point to how much advice you can give. So that's pushed them to offer a more complete service. I, I feel, just as, as a general, someone in general public, I, I feel this is, it's terrible that with how great the NHS is, because we, it is a great service, that something as, it's not simple, but something as important as this yes, yes. is so limited yes. in its provision. Yes. Well, until it's properly, until it's recognised as a disorder and until people are given credit for offering a service and until it's supported by paediatricians, neonatologists, GPs, that unless we have, you know, it is all above board, it won't change. So how are we going to get it above board then? Well, that's what I'm hoping that we can, you know, I can help show give respectability to the whole sort of what is yes what is currently being viewed as a bit of a sort of voodoo practice who does that who says that it's it's amazing like some some doctors say i don't believe in tongue tie now is it a religion i don't think so do you know funny i was watching this program the other day american drama it's called yeah. Royal Pains, so it's about medicine and all that. And there was a tongue tie. Oh, are you kidding? No, just this. I watched it. I say it was recorded from not this Sunday gone past, so not yesterday, so the Sunday before. But I was watching it over the weekend, and it had this baby, and it couldn't, it couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And then after about two or three tries, I said, "Oh, they gave it the medical name of it." And then it's phrenotomy, like, yeah, or whatever it was. Yes. I can remember. And then there's oh, tongue tie. Really, isn't that incredible? I said that is bizarre. I'm coming to interview on, on yes. just a few days after that. And I said, well, at least that is mainstream TV. So obviously in States it's mainstream. different. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. That's probably, so, probably so, sums it up really, doesn't it? <laughs> no, that is even more depressing, I think. <laughs> So is there, an, is there um, a global association of this tongue tie or is it just because we're in the UK and it's just sort of limited to here now? Um, again, it's sporadic all around the world, this, this view that tongue tie can cause breastfeeding difficulties. Yeah. Um, so there are 
some very famous and well-recognized speech and language therapists that deal with the the problems of speech in in people with tongue tie and there's textbooks on that and the fact it can make the child drool and be a messy eater and they're speech therapists who have then gone to specialize in tongue tie and then they have those divided under anesthesia by a surgeon in a hospital in an operating theater but because what we're talking about is really about breastfeeding and it's actually a a symbiosis of a mother and a baby and it's actually two different people that fall into two different areas of medicine one is pediatrics and the other is obstetrics and gynecology it's it's like the grand canyon Oh but it's that you know it sounds so basic but the way that medical care is set up having somebody who can see the bigger picture who can talk to mums mm-hmm. and examine babies and you know really pediatricians need to be the ones that are pushing this forward but uh, they're not so keen. but they're not because the textbook says it's cause cosmetic so it has I to think change I'd be frustrated yeah just being just being a lay man I know woman, believe I mean. me what's it you've if you talk to some of these mums, I mean, you know, it's the same story over and over and over how they've had to had these face-to-faces with the medical profession and trying to get somebody to take them seriously. So mothers are, some mothers are trying to drive this as well? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. That's quite, good. Yes, yes. I mean, most of it is happening through word of mouth. Mm. Okay. So how how can how can I help apart from doing this interview? So how can people help? I think yes. so two stages. How do people become aware of this? So mothers, you know, new mothers or mothers to be or grandparents. Yes. How can they help? And also what can the general public do to raise more awareness of this? Cuz I think that's really there has to be a sort of like a national campaign to tell people about Tonto. Yes, I mean it, it, that would be great. I mean, I think it's a very simple thing. Um, and the symptoms of it are that the baby cannot breastfeed. And if the mother is experiencing pain and the baby is unable to breastfeed, then tongue ties are very likely cause and needs excluding. So they need to put some pressure on the health professionals to... What are you going to do about this? This is not acceptable. I've taken six months off work to feed my baby from my high-powered city job. And my baby, day three, my baby can't breastfeed. I think it's a bit more frustrating for those who, who that I've taken a gap in my career for all this sunny happening. Definitely. Yeah. And they feel gutted. So are you dealing with a lot of, um, you know, such women? Yes, I mean, all the because the, the ones that get to me tend to be the ones that have done their own research and oh. looked into the internet, and oh. so they they have to they have they usually have to do a lot of work themselves to find and find someone to find, like you. find me in the service oh. to support them. Okay. Um, so do, have you thought about going to other hospitals to? support them or to do some training in those hospitals? Yes, I mean, I probably will set up some training days with the Association of Tongue-Tie Practitioners mm-hmm. and make, you know, try and make um, some kind of way of accrediting people to do the procedure. Um, I think it also has to be worked out what is a suitable environment, what are the minimum requirements for such a procedure. 
um, from the points of view of sterility and risk management, um, documentation, audit. So it's it's got a long way to go, but it's very it's going to start as an underground movement until it has better recognition. And until services are provided from, uh, with in a more transparent way by the National Health Service, yeah, and also maybe even taught uh, in nursing school as well. Um, yes, because possibly from that, that's sort of like an underground movement. Because if midwives understand that, then they have and they've been taught to do it in, you know, training. Yes, and it's it's that's sort of another way to get um, yes. more people to know about it, and uh, they're able to do the surgery yes um, or at least encourage other people to do the surgery yes and certainly i mean all babies have a newborn baby check mm-hmm. um which looks for other common congenital conditions that we know will cause trouble if left like cleft palate dislocated hips mm-hmm. so the, but there are baby checks performed by a pediatrician pediatric trainee or pediatrician in this country on every baby now why can't tongue tie the presence of, of tongue tie be part of that that would really change things. It seems so basic that it's hard probably, to believe that it's got. Well, you'd probably take so off less the than agenda. five minutes. Less than five minutes to diagnose that, wouldn't it? Yes, and it's fair to say that not everybody wants to breastfeed. I mean, some women opt not to breastfeed for whatever reasons, um, and sometimes babies with tongue tie can still breastfeed adequately and don't need the division. But I think it would certainly cut out the stress in a good eighty percent of baby so their mother's not having to go through this terrible down downward spiral in in this situation before they before they can get any help because there are a lot of babies that have lost more than 10 percent birth weight who then represent to a hospital and then it's those hospital staff that think well actually maybe this why can't this baby feed so that's another way it's picked up is so can you imagine the nhs costs involved and the trauma and the problems with not putting on weight for, for 10%, losing more than 10% body weight after birth. So how many how many babies are, are born in, in, in the UK now? Oh, I don't know. It seems, like seems like a silly question to ask. But I think if you if you know that and you know the number of people that are coming in, it would probably be about 90% of the people who probably have tongue-tied babies are not coming in. Probably yes. Could, yeah, could, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely under under underdiagnosed mm. and undertreated. Mm. Well, I can't, I can't say thank you enough. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know thank, thanks for coming to talk to me about this and, you know, do, do my best to raise okay, as much well, as, I, as, as, as awareness sure you will, of it. No, um, it's a very important subject yeah. and I think it touches the heart of all women, yeah. you know, whether you've had babies or not. Or not and, yeah. and men want to be more involved in bring out their children, they want what's best for them and, and the, all the men that, I, that I've met all the husbands and partners that have come have always been tremendously supportive of their wives mm. and always been very supportive of the work that I've done and allowed me to help their baby and they've been on board and it, the bonding is fantastic yeah. amongst you know the whole family it just changes things in, can change things so much for the better yeah. in just such a short time yeah. and it's, it's, it's very it's heartbreaking it is Heartbreaking to see people with simply few sim- things that could be rectified simply yeah. being left by the wayside. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Helen. It's been it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and being part of this. So it's been very eye opening. Even though I, I had some sort of idea, but I think talking to you. <laughs>
has helped. Yeah. Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. If you've been listening to us on Dream Corner, thank you very much. Um, and more interviews later. Cheers then. Bye bye.